Good day and welcome once again to our weekly Bible study. Uh, I hope everyone had a blessed and wonderful week. We're going to begin this weekend, the Gospel of John chapter 15, and we'll be covering verses 1 through 9. Now the first section of John chapter 15 deals with Jesus talking to his disciples and teaching his disciples about the vine and the branches. So what we're going to do with this section, the vine and the branches, we're going to split it up into two parts. So the title of today's lesson is Jesus teaches about the vine and the branches, part one. And I guess to start off this chapter, let me begin by asking you this question, which is very important. And the question is this, are you producing good fruit in your life? And you might say, why are you asking me th this question? Because the Bible tells us specifically, it tells us that God wants us to have an abundant life, right? Now, when you hear the word abundant, many people jump to the wrong conclusion. And I'm going to discuss that later on because we're going to get back to this abundant life. But it's not materialistic things. It's things that what? We do for the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, the word fruit, biblically speaking, are good works or good deeds. Now, remember, good works doesn't save you. Good deeds doesn't save you. It's, it's by the grace of God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary, where He died for the forgiveness of, of our sins, where we can have a chance to live with Him in the eternal kingdom, right? He died, He was buried on the third day, what? The Father raised Him. He resurrected Him, right? So, that's how you become saved. It's, a, it's through Jesus and only Jesus, amen? Not good works and good deeds. Good works and good deeds get your rewards in the kingdom. But you're only saved by the blood of Messiah, the blood of the Lamb. So the, all these things, right? Ministry, what are we doing? We're we helping people to grow closer to God for the purposes of God, for the purposes of His kingdom. That's what I mean by producing good fruit. It's not materialistic things. It's not things of this world, right? It's not your own desires. It's the will of the Father. And doing His will, just like Jesus did, and do it obediently so we can enlarge His kingdom, so we can have a kingdom purpose. That's what I mean by an abundant life. So when you look at your life, right, are you producing good fruit? And are you producing much fruit, I guess is a better question. So how... Can I, you could say, how can I produce fruit that's going to be pleasing to our Heavenly Father? Well, Jesus tells us how. He tells us how in these two sections that we're going to cover this week and next week. So with that being said, take, take out your Bibles, open it up to the Gospel of John in chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 1. Now today, remember, we're covering verses 1 through 9. Jesus is speaking here to his disciples in verse 1 through 9. And this is what he says, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It, what, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can't do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up and they're thrown into a fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So let's go back up to verse 1 here. And Jesus tells his disciples, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. Now, he starts off with the word, that phrase that we've been discussing now for several months, I am. Once again, this relates to his divinity. He's showing us, once again, who he really is, that he is God in the flesh. He's fully God, but he's fully man. He says, I am the true vine. Now, this word vine, it's, it's a Hebrew. In Hebrew, it means gifin. Now, in Jewish culture, their prayers, the Jews sent up prayers, they say prayers that contain this word vine. See, in all of these prayers that contain this word vine, they have something in common. They all speak about holiness and they speak about sanctification. This means that they are all living a life that reveals the purposes of God. In other words, His holiness through His people. And this is exactly what good works are all about. They're about producing good deeds so that people, your neighbor, your people at work, your family, they can see the holiness of God, that manifestation of the Holy Spirit through our life. Amen? Now, let's go back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, grapes were symbols of Israel's faithfulness in doing God's work here on this earth. And you can find that in Psalm 88, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, Ezekiel chapter 19, verses, I want to say maybe 10 through 15, or 10 through 14. And you can go look that up on your own. But, but he says right here, I am the true vine, and my father, he says, is the gardener. So, also, I want to go back to this. This vine, this fruit, right? At, in the Passover meal, the fruit of the vine was a symbol of God's goodness to his people. Okay? Now, he continues on and he says, and my father is the gardener. So God the Father is the owner of this vineyard, is the owner of this vine, you can say. And he, cult he cultivates it, he trains it, he prunes it, right? Now, we're going to see in chapters 15, 16, and 17 that Jesus, Messiah, he's going to speak about the intimacy between his Father and himself. And, and this intimacy means oneness. And this oneness it's producing fruit. So what the scripture is telling us here is telling us this, that Jesus, 
is leading us to this godly desire, right? This desire that God has for each and every one of us as believers in his son, Jesus. Jesus is leading us so that we might be one with him. But also not one with him, but also one with who? The Father. So we can be what? In unity, oneness with them both. Why? So we can go out and produce good deeds. Produce what? Fruit. Much fruit and good fruit. Verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me and that bears no fruit. While each branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it, it will be even what? More fruitful, the scripture tells us. So that first part of that scripture, the first text in that scripture, Jesus says that God the Father, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now, here's the problem. If you supposedly, right, in him, a believer, and you're not bearing fruit, well, there's something wrong. There's deception that's there. Now, why do I say that? Because the scripture very well points out to us and tells us that if he is the vine, the true vine, meaning Jesus, and it is through this vine that we find that branches are, are, are dead. They're not producing, but they should because Jesus is divine. And if you are in Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is manifesting through you, right, then you should be producing good fruit because that's what the scripture tells us. So if there's a branch in the vine that's not producing good fruit, it's a problem. And it's definitely a problem. And Jesus is going to deal with that problem. That's what that text is telling us, right? Because there's some type of deception going on. There's some type of falsehood. The problem is this. There's a lack of faith. So this text is telling us that if you produce no fruit, then you really don't know him. You're really not in him. So what is he going to do? He tells us he cuts you off. God's going to what? Cast you aside. Now we're going to continue on and we're going to get deeper into this. Why this is so important that you have a relationship with Jesus and that you walk in, in the spirit, that you do the Father's will, that you produce good fruit. Because if you're not, you're going to find out where you're going to end up. And this is not Blight Wonstel talking. This is Jesus talking. The scripture continues on. So he says, the first half, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful, he says. Now, let's look at the second half of that text. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it can be even more fruitful. That branch. Remember, Jesus is divine. Where are the branches? That's what this means. So if, if that branch is not producing fruit, right? He cuts it away. Why? Imagine this in a flower bed, right? If, if, if one branch is dying, what does the gardener do? You cut it off. Why? Because it's, it's dead. It withers away. It, it can maybe even have a disease that's going to spread throughout the rest of the what? The branches. So what the gardener does, he cuts off that, that vine. He prunes it, you can say. So let's look at this word prune. This means re removing those things that are a nuisance or a hindrance, right? Because good things can be done if you remove that. So if we're producing some fruit, 
What's what, what is God going to do? He's going to move in our life. That's what he's telling us. And, and if we continue producing good fruit, he's going to move even greater in our life. Why? Because we continue to tell people about the goodness of the gospel. We continue to tell people about the goodness of Jesus and his kingdom that is to come. Amen? So all this goes back to what he said earlier, that we're going to live what? An abundant life. But here's the problem that society has today. When they hear this word abundant, man, you're going to live an abundant life. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, the Bible says it because Jesus just said it. But right away, they think of riches. They think of wealth. They think of materialistic things to favor them, right? To glorify them. That's, that's how they think of prosperity. Now, I'm all for prosperity, but in the right way. What do I mean? I mean, if you're producing fruit for the kingdom of God. If you're in abundance of fruit that, that's out there. In other words, you're producing great works and good works. For who? For Jesus and for God the Father, and for the kingdom of our Father. Amen? Now, are we saved by good works? Like I said earlier, no, we're not saved by good works, right? Do we remain saved if we do good works? No. We know and find through the Gospels that salvation only comes by the blood of Messiah, by the grace of His Father, having faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, right? And once you accept that into your life, right? The Apostle Paul says it best. Once you confess and believe in your heart, truly in your heart, that Jesus Christ is our Lord, He's our Savior, right? Then you are saved, right? It's a new covenant. And that's what Jesus came for. He came to establish this new covenant. You're no longer under the law. You're no longer under the Old Testament. Now, do we just throw the law away? No, we don't throw a law away, right? We don't throw the Old Testament away. Because remember, the Old Testament points to what? To the cross. It points to Jesus. The Old Testament, there's many prophecies in the Old Testament that's what? That's not fulfilled yet, right? And it's very important that we understand, to understand Jesus, to understand the cross, to understand the blood of the Lamb and what Jesus did, you must understand the Old Testament, amen? So, salvation only comes by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, right? Remember John the Baptist, he's baptizing people at the river. What he says, behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who comes to take away the what? The sins of the world, right? So Jesus came to develop a new covenant with us, an eternal covenant. And that covenant can't never be damaged and it can't never be broken, amen? Verse 3. Jesus tells his disciples, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now, he gets into something right here that's very important. And for some of us, it's hard to understand. You see, there's going to be an emphasis right here, not only in this chapter, but in the next two chapters. About this one on this word that he's speaking to his disciples about. And what is that? The plan of salvation, the gospel, right? And that gospel that he's speaking about, that, that it has a potential, a great potential, if we allow it to change us for, for in a good way, in a positive way. It, 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 it can transform us, right? It can make us into this new creation that God the Father wants us to be. But it is only through this transformation 
that we can do something that the rest of the world cannot. And what is that? To produce much fruit. To enlarge the kingdom of God. And he's going to tell us that those who are not producing much fruit, then they're liars. They're deceivers, right? They're not really walking in the truth. So what he's saying in this verse, talking to his disciples, and he says, you, meaning the disciples, he says, you've already been clean because I have spoken the truth to you. Now he tells them, believe it, follow it, do it, produce good deeds, go and do good works, and tell people about the kingdom of God. Tell people about me. Proclaim that gospel message to the nations of the world. Amen. Verse 4. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So let's look at that first text in the scripture. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. So we see this first example of this oneness that I said earlier, that he's talking about unity, right? He wants unity between his disciples and himself. He wants unity between us and himself and also the father, right? Why? It's this great unity that brings about this great potential. It brings about great fruitfulness, right? It brings about this transformation, the fulfillment between God's purposes for our lives. But we must follow his will. We must listen. Right. And how do we do that? We have to have a relationship with his son. We have to be in prayer. We have to not only pray, but we have to listen and say, Father, not my will be done. But what is your will for me today for my life? Show me and lead me. Right. So I can produce fruit. So, so I can be what? A positive impact for your kingdom. He goes on to say this in the scripture. No branch can bear fruit by itself. So he's saying here that every branch can't do it on its own. It can't do it by itself. You can't do it by yourself. It needs to be connected to that vine. It, we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We need to walk in the spirit. We need to do the father's will. We need to enlarge the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. It must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. So in order to produce good fruit, he's saying here, in order to, to enlarge the kingdom, in other words, to do good works, to do his deeds, you must be in unity with him. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So we must remain in unity and oneness with him, in him by means of the Holy Spirit, right? Because without him, without having this relationship, you're not going to bear fruit for his kingdom. You're not going to do good deeds, right? That he wants from a kingdom perspective. So this verse is also showing us that we are called to produce not only good fruit, but great fruit and produce much fruit, right? 
But you see, in order to do this, we must know Him. We must know His ways. We must be obedient to the listening of that small spirit called the Holy Spirit so we can be in unity with Him. Now, there's a lot of people out in the world that call themselves Christians, right? Now, don't shoot the messenger here. Again, if you're listening to this and what I'm saying pricks you a little bit, it's, that's a message from the Lord, from the Spirit. Then maybe you need to evaluate your life and how you're living and what you're doing. Because what you're doing is probably not right. It's probably wrong. See, there's a lot of people that say, man, I love Jesus, right? I love his kingdom, right? I'm, he, I, I put him first place in my life. But here's the question. And be honest with yourself. Is there evidence of this? Is there evidence in your life that you put him first place? Meaning, are you producing fruit? Are you enlarging his kingdom? Are you proclaiming the gospel? Are you telling people about Jesus and the kingdom? If not, then you're deceiving yourself and you're deceiving people. Now again, does evidence save us? No. However, if you're a true follower, right? If you're a disciple of Jesus, then you're going to definitely bear fruit and much fruit. And it's going to be good fruit and great fruit, right? He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So with him, there's, man, there's potential, great potential with him. But he says, without me, you're nothing. In other words, he says, can't do nothing. You're not producing good fruit. You're living in the flesh. You're not walking in the spirit. So again, if you're not doing anything for the kingdom, if you're not walking in the spirit of the Lord, if you're not doing the Father's will, right? Then that's not pleasing to God. In other words, there's going to be nothing in you that God finds worthy to receive. Nothing in you that's going to be praiseworthy to glorify His name, to glorify Him. Now, we're called. Now, we're all called to live a praiseworthy life because you were created in the image of God, right? We're all called to live that for Him, for His kingdom, not for our own desires, not for our own fleshly wants, no. It's for the kingdom and what He wants. He wants to use you to spread the gospel so that when people see your light, you bring them to Jesus and let Jesus take over. Amen? And this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying if, if, if you a person and you on this vine, then there should be evidence that you are producing fruit. But you see, if you're on this vine and there's no evidence, none at all, he'll cut you off. And he'll not only cut you off, you're about to find out. He throws you away and he burns you up. Verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch. Here it is that is thrown away and it withers. And such branches are picked up and they're thrown into the fire and burned. You see, if you don't know him, you can't produce fruit. 
He wants you to produce good fruit and great fruit. But if you're not walking in his will, if you don't know him, if you don't have a relationship with him, if you spend time in prayer and you don't ask what he wants you to do for his kingdom, then you're not producing good fruit. And he says right here, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And he's cast you aside. That's what he means. You see, when a branch is no longer producing fruit, right? Whether it lacks nutrients or it rots, whatever it is. What, what we do? We cut it off. We throw it away. We cast it aside. But here he says, you'll be thrown in the fire and you will be burned. So the scripture is telling us that if you're not producing good fruit according to God's will, according for his kingdom, then what's going what's to happen? You don't know him. And because you don't know him, you're not in him. He won't be in you. So you end up doing what? Wither. You end up what? Dying. I'm talking about spiritually. So what's going to happen? He says you're thrown away and you're burned up. Meaning this, you're going to be cast into hell, which eventually turns into the lake of fire. Now, you probably don't like to hear that because there's a lot of people that don't want to hear this, right? And it's not popular that I'm saying that. It's not. And maybe you listen to this and maybe it's the first time you're hearing this, right? See, unless you go to a Bible-based church that teaches, right out the Bible, that teaches the entire Bible, that teaches every scripture and every text, then you won't know about this. Because most churches, they teach bits and pieces of the Bible. And in today's world that we live in, they don't preach the whole truth of God. They preach what people want to hear, what, 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 what sounds good, right? What makes them feel good, in other words. And talking like this out the Bible, it, God's word is God's truth. Because he says, he talks about hell. He talks about people not being in a relationship with him, not producing good fruit right here. What's going to happen if you don't do the Father's will? If you don't know him through his son Jesus, you get thrown away. And people don't like to hear that. But it's the word of God. It's the truth. So he's saying right here that if you don't produce good fruit, you don't know him. You're not in him. He's not in you. And you will never produce good fruit for the kingdom. See, it's all about the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of people say this, man. They think of this God that we serve just as a loving God, right? As a God of grace and mercy and so forth and compassion. And that is true. He is a God of all that. There's no, no doubt about it. He's a God of love. Jesus is love. So the Bible says. But we also serve a God that's righteous, a God that's, that's holiness, a God that's what? That's going to judge. He's a God of judgment as well. I want you to understand that. And his word, the truth, the Bible shows us this. I mean, just look in the book of Revelation. Let me just give you one example. In chapters 2 and 3, at the beginning of the book of Revelations. Now, we studied the book of Revelation several years ago. And if you was with this Bible study, if you remember in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus is speaking to seven different churches. He's giving them information. He's giving them instruction, right? He's giving them truth in order so that they can prepare themselves to be faithful in the last days. The tribulation meaning, right? And he teaches each church and he tells each church this, 
that they might be overcomers in the last days. Meaning what? Persecution. In other words, that evilness that, that, that's going to manifest itself in the last days. But he also tells each church this. Listen to what he says. He says, and I also know your works. Now, what does he mean when he says, I also know your works? He is, he is evaluating each and every one of our lives. And what is he evaluating for? To see if we are producing fruit for his kingdom. And if there isn't, do you know in his eyes what he sees? A lack of faith, a lack of truth in your life. It means this evidence shows <laughs> that you're not really connected to that vine. Now, why do I say that? Because he says it in scripture. He says every branch that is connected to him, amen, will bear what? Much fruit. So let me ask you this question. Are you bearing much fruit today? Verse 7. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now let's look at that first half of that text. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Now we see a very important change here, right? See, this text gives us a great indication, you can say, of how we can remain on that vine. How or how, how you, me, how we can have access to these things that give great potential to produce much fruit. We know this by what he says. If you remain in me and my words will remain in you. Let's focus on that phrase, my words. What does that mean? It means the truth of God. See, it's only when we have the truth of God in our lives. And we only have that by staying in relationship with Him. Staying in His truth, His words, right? That's the only way that we can produce good fruit. If, if you remain in me, He says, and my words remain in you, you got to know Him. You got to spend time with Him every day. You got to get in his word every day. That's what he's talking about here, right? He says, whatever, if you do these things, then you produce grapefruit. And he says, then if you do that, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, many people take this text out of context because they look at it from a physical perspective, right? But Jesus never looks at things from a physical perspective, people. He always looks for the kingdom. He's always working and telling us we need to work for the kingdom. So this text right here, a lot of people look at it the wrong way. They see it from a physical aspect, from the flesh. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's speaking from a kingdom aspect, from a spiritual aspect. That's what he's saying. You see, it's only when we remain in him, we remain in that vine, that his words will remain in us. That we are transformed into this new creation, that the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, right, can be in us. That we're, we're conformed, what, more to his image, more to his likenesses, right? His purposes, his character, his attributes, and so forth that, that I speak about just about every week. So you see this passage, this, this passage right here in this text, more in particular, is telling us that we should have, if we're walking in the Spirit, if we have a relationship with Jesus, if, we, if we're doing, producing good fruit for his kingdom, that we should always have a kingdom desire. 
that we should have a kingdom will and a kingdom purpose for our lives, that we produce much fruit for his kingdom, for the Father, right? Whatever, if we do that, he says, whatever you ask, from a kingdom perspective, he says, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to give it to you. Why? Because you're enlarging his kingdom. You're blessing people. You're loving on people. You're telling people and showing people. You're taking on the character of Jesus. Amen. And that's how we have to live our lives. That means a kingdom perspective. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, he says, that you bear much fruit. You show yourselves to be, look what he says, my disciples. Now, the first text is very important. This is to my Father's glory. So, what is your desire? What is your will? It should be is that God the Father, through His Son Jesus Christ, gets glorified through me. It's, it gets glorified through us, believers, disciples. And it is through the good works that we do, meaning producing much fruit, being obedient to the Word of God, following the truth, that we give God the glory. That God's going to be glorified through us by doing all these things. By producing much fruit. It's the reason we were created, people. To fellowship with God in the eternal kingdom. Amen? To bring glory to God. Our Father. Our, our Heavenly Father. But what happened? What happened along the way? See, this was God's purpose the whole time. That's why he put Adam and Eve in the garden. But what happened? They sinned. And stain sinned us. It, it, it stained us forever. And, and sin is here with us. Until Jesus gets rid of the evilness. Amen. But you see, even if sin is with us now, we're all sinners. That's why you got to be in the Word every day. That's why you got to repent every day. Right? But even today, we can be overcomers. And the only way you're going to be an overcomer is by believing in Jesus Christ, by following Him, by doing His will, which is the Father's will, by producing good fruit, enlarging the kingdom of God. Now let's go back to the book of Genesis, right? First book in the Bible. It says that God created man, both male and female. God created them in His own image. That's what the Bible tells us. Now, this means we're supposed to reflect the character of Jesus. In other words, we are supposed to live according to his name. Amen? And you might ask, why? Why is that? Because the scripture tells us. Because in the scripture, biblically speaking, name and character are the same. They're synonymous. And as we go through this chapter, and we go through the next chapter. You're going to find this out. That, that, that Jesus is going to emphasize. There's going to be a great emphasis. Upon the name of Jesus. And on the name of God the Father. And an important concept in our lives. That we should be believers. In Jesus. Because God the Father says. Jesus. Is the mediator between me, God the Father, and man, right? So when he says, whatever you desire is going to be given to you. 
The context is for someone, he's saying, to produce good fruit. Wanting to glorify God the Father through him by means of the Holy Spirit. There you bear much fruit, he says. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. So he's saying right here, man, if you bear much fruit, meaning if you do good works, if you do good deeds, if you bless others, if you help others, right? If you do the Father's will, if you glorify God the Father by all things that you do. Because remember, all things that you do and all things that you have, it's not because of you. It's because God the Father allowed it to you because he blessed you with that talent. He blessed you with that gift. He blessed you with that business. Amen. Right. It's all through him. The question is, are you glorifying him for everything we have? And some of you say, well, I don't have much. It doesn't matter. Are you glorifying Jesus for what you have? Are you glorifying God the Father through his son Jesus by producing good fruit? By relying on the truth of God? By following the truth of God? Amen. Are you doing that? Why? For his kingdom. Are you enlarging his kingdom today? See, once you do this, look what Jesus says in this text. You're his disciple. So let me ask you this question. Are you truly a disciple of Jesus today? Are you doing all these things that Jesus wants us to do? Are you producing good fruit? Do you know him? Do you remain in his word and his word remains in you? Amen. Last verse for today, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So let's look at that first text. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now this, this type of love is not just regular love. Man, it's an agape love, right? It's a love like no other, amen? You see, the love that God has over us is a love and the power to change us as well as others. Now, how do I remain in that love? He tells us. If you remain in his word and keep and follow his commandments, his commands. That's how you remain in his love. That's how you keep producing good fruit. That's how you keep enlarging the kingdom of God. Amen. And finally, he says, now remain in my love. Jesus right here gives us a commandment. Just what I just said. If you remain in his love, you keep producing fruit. You keep in the truth. You're not deceived. You remain in his word. You know the truth and you follow the truth. But more importantly than this, you listen and you follow his commandments. You do his will. And again, how do you know to do his will? By remaining in prayer and constantly listening to where the Spirit is leading you. Amen? And that ends our lesson four. Today, we're going to be back next week. We're going to finish the second part of Jesus' teaching on the vine and the branches. Hope you enjoyed this Bible study. Um, you know, invite people into this Bible study, share the podcast, do whatever you need to do to reach people, to teach them the word of God, because we all need truth. We all need the word of God. Until next week, we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. God bless.